0: Seated. Would you just bow with me as we talk to God about looking at his word? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to open the word of God this morning. Father, I pray that your spirit would be free to speak to our hearts. You know we're the week that each one of us have had. And for some, it's been a great week. It's, it's been exciting, and there's been a lot of really cool things that have happened. And we want to say thank you for that, because it's from your hand that we are blessed. For some, it's been a struggle. There's been some difficulty this week, and you've also been part of that. And you have made yourself known, or, or are making yourself known in the middle of that. And so, God, for the next few moments, as we open your word, I pray that we would hear from you. I pray that it wouldn't be my words that are spoken, but yours. I pray that my heart would be open to your spirit guiding and directing this morning. I know you want to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. and what, So would you do that? Would you cause your word to mold and shape us and make us more like you? We'll praise you for it in your name. Amen. If you've been with us the last little while, we've been talking through the book of First Thessalonians, and I want to continue that this morning. It's an exciting little book, and every time I go back and reread parts of it uh, as, I, as I keep preparing, I'm reminded of our church as I read it. It was a church plant that Paul did and, uh, on a missionary journey, and he started this little work, and in a very short time, a group of, believe, a, a group of folks came to know Jesus Christ. And he was forced to leave and they continued to meet together and to worship together and to spread their faith in Jesus Christ with the folks who were close to them. And as you go through the little book, you realize that some of the truths that Paul had taught them sunk very deep into their heart and they quickly began to become like Christ. And I see that in you folks. Uh, Some of you are fairly new to your faith. Some are a little older. Some of you have been around in your faith for a long time. But as I watch what you've done and how you live life, I see your growth, your maturity in coming to know Jesus Christ, and I see you grow in your faith. And I see you giving away your faith, and that's really what Paul spends some time talking about. And he encourages the believers there to continue on sharing their faith and giving away their faith. Last week, Pastor Mike talked to us about a portion from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where it talked about living a holy life and choosing to live a holy life. And that's not always easy to make that choice, especially in the world that we live in, where we're inundated with all kinds of compromises, all kinds of ways to look at life differently. And we're told all the time that life is for our own benefit. Whatever you want, whatever you would like, That's the way you should go. Make yourself happy. Do it your way. That's what we we hear all the time. And Pastor Mike was talking about choosing to live a holy life means that we choose to live God's way, not our way. And we live above all of that, and he shared with us last week that the day and age that Paul was writing this in a lot of ways was a lot worse than the day that we 're living in in terms of the way how morality was, how they viewed morality, the way they lived life. It was a lot worse than the day and age we live in. But yet these people were making the choice to follow God and live a holy life. We come to First Thessalonians chapter four, verse nine, where we're going to start today. And he kind of switches gears, but it comes out of this holy living. The only way to do what Paul's going to talk about next is living a life that's holy, living a life that's consecrated or set apart to God and putting ourselves in a place where God has complete control of our heart and our life. And Paul's going to start these next few verses, and he's going to talk to us about being loving. And loving people, now, the day and age we live in when we hear the word "loving," uh, it's kind of messed up <laughs> what that means today. And we have all kinds of views, part of it's because of our our TV and our movies that we watch, and when we hear the word "love," we we kind of get this sappy idea that that's what that has to be about, and that's not what he's talking about at all. We have an idea today that loving means that, that we just accept whatever's coming our way, and to love people means that there, there are no boundaries, there's no limits. And that's not what he's talking about. The love that God is talking about is very defined, it's very real. It makes a difference in people's lives, it has something with it that has kind of some meat to it, some reality to it. And when I was reading this passage over and over, what I began to think about was this. The advice that Paul's going to give in these next four verses that we're going to read or five verses that we're going to read, it's kind of like your grandparents' advice is really what it is. And it gives a different picture of what it means to live life than what we would see today in the world we live in. So this will be kind of counterculture, okay? Just be prepared for that. Don't blame me, blame Paul. He wrote it. I'm just going to talk about it, okay? So if you want to get upset, you can have a conversation with Paul later about it. Paul puts two thoughts together in this passage that seem somewhat unrelated, but when you really think about the two thoughts, you'll realize that they're very connected, and Paul does a great job at connecting these two thoughts for us, and we're going to talk about them in just a moment. The first thing we're going to talk about is loving others. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 9 to start. He says this, about brotherly love, you don't need me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. First, if you're writing and taking notes, it's simply this, love others, verse 9, and it's an interesting thing that he says here because he says this, he says, I don't even need to teach you about this because if you're a Christ follower, this is what you do. It comes natural. It's instinctive to you. It's the same word there, the whole thing of of you've already been taught by this or it's instinctual. It's the same idea that we have with animals in terms of this that animals you don't take a little fish when he when he hatches We, we don't teach him how to swim. There's not a school for a school of fish to learn how to swim. It's just natural, right? They hatch and they start swimming. It's what they do. It's instinctive. It's, it's, it's like little birds when, when they finally get big enough and the nest is too small and mama just kind of pushes them out. Their wings go out and they start flying. It's instinctual. It's what they know to do. God has created them. Actually, it would be good for parents to learn to kick. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, it's instinctive. It's what, it's what God has created them to know how to do, right? And the word here or the thought here in verse 9 is this. Paul says, look, I don't don't need to set up classes. I don't need to spend extra time teaching you to love other people because the natural result of becoming a Christ follower is that you would love other people. You say, "Are, are you sure about that? Well, this is what the Bible says, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. It's a result of the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts. John 13, 34 says, I give you a new commandment, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Romans 5, 5 says it this way, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we in turn would love others. It's the nature of becoming a Christ follower that we would love others. Now, this is a difficult concept in the day and age we live because we're taught over and over to get what's yours. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about how I live life. You should care about what I want more than anything else. And God says, no, it's just the opposite. When I become a Christ follower, the love of God is so in my heart that that's what pours out of me to the people around me is that incredible love of God. And you say, well, what is that incredible love of God? What does that look like? Well, here's what it looks like. It looks like this, that when you were incredibly helpless, when you could do absolutely nothing for yourself, God, the one who created you, saw your need and saw your helplessness And he said, there's only one way that that could be fixed. There's only one way that that could be remedied. And that is through someone sacrificing on their behalf. And that someone is my son, Jesus Christ, who has absolutely no sin in him and is completely pure and completely perfect. And he said, what I'll do is I will send that one who's perfect. For those who are imperfect, those who are full of sin, those who cannot help themselves, I will send the perfect one and he will pay the price that they cannot pay. This is love. This is the love that he's talking about. And I will go to great extremes. And here's the thing about the love that he's talking about here. He says this about it. He says, whether they accept my love or not, (laughs) whether they realize it's for them or not, I'll still do it. See, it's easy for us to love if we think we're going to get something in return. It's easy for me to love someone if they have some way of returning the favor. And God goes, no, 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 no. They were without hope. They could do absolutely nothing in and of, the, of themselves for me. And in spite of that, I will love them. And I will send my son, Jesus Christ. And whether they accept the gift that he's giving to them or they reject it, I will still love them. That's the love he's talking about here. That's what becomes part of us when we become Christ followers. Let me ask you a question, Christ follower. What's your love look like? Is that the kind of love that spills out of you? It did these believers. If you go backwards in chapter 1 verse 3. Paul says this, that I see it in your labor of love to others. I see it. If you look at chapter 3, he says, look, your love has been known all around Macedonia. If you look at the, at the, at the map, that's a port city that, that, that they were in in Thessalonica, the Aegean Sea's right there. And he's saying, all the towns around there, they know of your love. Wow. These are, these are a little group of people and they know of your love. It spills out of you. And he doesn't stop there. If you look at verse 10, he says it this way. He says, in fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But look at this. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more. There's no limit to your love. Keep going. Keep loving. And instead, we look at it and say, look, I have this much love. <laughs> this is what I'm giving away. And when that's gone, too bad. And we don't really say it that way, but, right? I mean, you have your days. Come on, be honest. You have your days, and you're like, I'm just not loving anymore. I'm done. It's over. Too bad. And Paul looks at these people and he says, it's been seen throughout all of Macedonia, all these areas, see your love. And brothers and sisters, let me encourage you. Keep loving. Keep going. Keep doing it. Keep giving it away. Folks, if you are a Christ follower here this morning, the proof of your love, the proof that you are a Christ follower is your love for other believers and your love for other people. This doesn't mean that we agree with everyone. It doesn't mean that we hang out with everyone. It doesn't even mean that we get along with everyone. What it means is this, is that I love them with the love of Jesus Christ even when they don't see things the way I do. Even when they don't care the way that I do. Even when they don't even like me. I still love them. I still love them. If you were to go to 1 John, you'd realize that some of the, one of the proofs That I am a Christ follower is my love for other believers. And Jesus puts it this way through the writer John. He says this. If you say that the love of God is in you, but you do not love your brother and sister, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Love others. If Christ lives in me, then it will be natural for me to love other people. Because that's who Christ is. Love others. Let me tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to you about faith. He was talking about may your faith grow. Remember that? May that, and we talked about it being a muscle. And when you tear that muscle, right? When you work out, you remember a big bodybuilder, you work out and you stretch and strain that muscle. And then when it heals, that muscle continues to grow. This love muscle is the same thing. The more you give it away, the more you give away the love of God, the greater your capacity to love is. It's not the opposite. Often we think like it's this vat of love. And if I give too much away, I run out. And that's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, the more of Christ that I give away, the more of love, the love of Christ that I give away, the bigger my love muscle gets the larger my capacity to love gets. If you've got a little love muscle, I was talking to Justin, we were driving the other day, and I told him, make a muscle for me. And he, he kind of half did it. And I said, what's that, a chicken's kneecap? He wouldn't come, he wouldn't make me a muscle. And I think for believers, a lot of times, it's not even a chicken's kneecap, it's a chickadee's kneecap. Because we haven't built the muscle enough. We've been giving it away, and we're not building the love muscle. And God says, hey, this is what I want for you to do, and I don't want you just to do a little bit. I want you to keep give, giving it away. Give it away. Give it away. So love others. Now, the next three little things, that I, little phrases that I want to share with you seem disconnected from love others, but they're really not when you think about them. Here's the next one. It says this, these are evidences that the love of Christ is in me. Look at verse 11 with me, if you would. He says at the end of 10, do this even more. And then here's these little phrases. He says, to seek to lead a quiet life. So we have the love of God, and then he says, I want you to love other people, but then to seek to lead a quiet life. This isn't the lack of noise. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the assurance that I am who God made me to be. It's the internal assurance that Christ is in me, that I am who I am in Jesus Christ. And when I learn who I am in Christ, I become complete. And when I become complete, there's no more striving. There's no more searching to see who I am anymore. There's no more trying to to pedal faster to figure out who I am, to to put the pieces together to know myself. You know, that whole phrase, if i got to go find myself, and I went looking for myself, and here I was. That's improper English, I got you. He's saying this, look, leading a quiet life is being assured of who you are, In Christ. Hey, are you assured? Are you living a quiet life? Or if someone could hear in your head and your heart, would your life be screaming? Call me! I'm lost! If people could hear, you know, what's being said inside there? And he says this whole idea is being assured internally of who I am. Go about quietly loving people. It means that my fullness is found in Christ because I'm complete in Him. And I can quietly work out of a foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm not striving to figure life out. I'm not loudly searching for fulfillment because the inner peace that I have comes from knowing who Christ is. And I'm not running around involving other people in my problems, trying to get them to solve my issues. I'm living a quiet life wrapped up in Christ. What's your life look like? Are you involving all kinds of people, hoping to find the meaning when it's already there in Jesus Christ? There's something reassuring about being around a person who lives life like this. You ever been around that person who just seems so stable, so assured about life? And they're just quiet. They're just. I have. And being in their presence just brings everything down a few notches. It's just kind of like, huh, there. They're assured of who they are and what they're about. Is that you? Are you looking for that? Paul says this, look, love others and seek to live a quiet life in Christ. Because he's the foundation of who, who you are. Second phrase or third phrase, really that's in this is this, and it's an interesting one as well. He says he says this, he says live a quiet life and then and, and he said this, I didn't. So, I'm just repeating what You ready? And to mind your own, what? You say it. Business. Mind your own business. You ever been told that? I have. My mother told me that. Mind your own business. Another way of saying that would be keep your nose clean. Don't put your nose where it doesn't belong. This is a massive struggle in our tech age, by the way. Did you know that today, this is research, I didn't make this up, today, there will be 6 billion techs sent in the United States today. There will be 180 billion sent this month. There will be 2.27 trillion sent This year. In the world, they will send 8.3 trillion this year. 23 billion per day, 16 million per minute. That's what's going on. Right now, it just happened. That's right. Mind blowing. But here's the struggle with that, guys. We're talking about everything with everyone. And see if this rings a bell for you, or if you've ever kind of seen this. You weren't part of it, but you saw it. Someone sends something out that they know a little or nothing or maybe a lot about. And someone who knows a little or nothing about it replies with the little or nothing that they know about the little or nothing that was said. And someone else adds to the string of the little or nothing with nothing less than nothing about the little or nothing that the first person said. You get the idea. And the next thing, there's an entire conversation that happens about something that nobody knows anything about. And Paul says, mind your own business. And we create views about people, about events, about things based on information that we don't even know is correct. And we shape our opinions on that. And we do it every day. We have opinions about people that we hardly know based on text, emails, tweets, Snapchat, yeah, that, just, that just clicked, by the way, what I said. That was not purposeful, but it fit. Okay. And you might be sitting there saying, Tim, but we're entitled to our opinion about things, right? Right? Maybe, but keep them to yourself. We've lost our inner monologue, it's gone and we don't have any ability to formulate thoughts and think things through in a way that is timely and appropriate and come up with our own conclusions on based on facts not on thoughts There's some verses that came to mind when I read this little phrase, mind your own business, and here's the verse that came to mind. It's found in Matthew, and this is a scary verse, by the way. Every time I read this, it scares the life out of me. Matthew chapter 12, and actually it's a couple. I'm going to start halfway through verse 34. It says this. The mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his Storeroom of good. And an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. Listen to this. I tell you that on that day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. That's Jesus. I think Paul was on to something when he said, mind your own business. And I think this ties back to loving others in an incredible way. Because if we're spouting our mouth off all the time about things we're not really sure about, It's really hard to love people. Because our attitude and our heart becomes laden with negativity and laden with mistruth. And it guides our minds. And it guides how we interact with people. Paul says, mind your own business. And I think he's pointing back to what Jesus said, and he's saying, look... When you stand before God, believer, we've told you this a few weeks ago, when you stand before God, it's not sin that God's bringing up because Jesus already paid for that. And if you're a Christ follower, that sin is dealt with at the cross. It's covered by his blood. But when we as believers stand before God, the works and the words and the intents of our heart will be brought up. And that's what I think Matthew's talking about. And he says this, look, know this, that when you stand before God, those words that you chose to use, those idle conversations that you chose to engage in, that led you to places that you should not have been and your mind should not have been, (laughs) let me show you where they went. Let me show you what they did. Folks, all of that stuff has an influence on the people that are around us. And God says, don't, don't be worried about their business. Just love them. And he says, love them even more. <laughs> As Christ followers, if we're busy loving people, we won't have time to engage in conversations and business that doesn't matter. And often what's going on is we're wasting our time. Engaged in things that have absolutely no eternal value. Man, Satan's good at getting us on that one. He gets us all wound up and riled up. And we, 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 get, we got fighting words. We're ready to go. Let's fight on this one. It's not even true. But we're going to fight about it. So how do I not do that? Well, refuse to engage. Don't go there. If you don't know about it, don't answer. Refuse to be part of mindless conversation. Refuse to be part of conversations that don't impact you. Be thoughtful and careful in your words and your conversations and make sure that they're seasoned with the truth of who God is and the truth of the love of God in your life. And it will change all that. Don't put your nose in places... It doesn't belong. First Peter chapter 4, verse 15 says it this way: don't be a meddler. <laughs> don't be somebody who's always stirring it up. Minding your own business is an act of love. The 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 third little phrase in this of the act of love, it's found also in this verse, and he says, This mind your own business and work with your own hands. It's like, what? What is it Why is he talking about working with your hands and he's talking about love well. The day and age that these people lived in First Thessalonica, the Greeks here didn't like to work, and they had slaves to do the work for them. Remember, it's part of the Roman Empire, and everywhere that they took over groups of people, they just brought slaves back and they made them work, and they didn't like to work, and that was the culture they were coming out of, and they would rather have somebody else produce things for them than them do anything for themselves. And so Paul says this to them, and work with your hands. This is a God-given responsibility to us. Before sin, we always say that work is a, is part of sin. It's not. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, that Adam was placed in the garden to care for and to work for the, in the garden, to care for what was in the garden. The curse that was part of work was this in chapter 3, verse 17, where he says this, and now by the sweat of your brow, when you're picking all those weeds out of the garden, that is, that's Adam's fault. He, he sinned. Before, they just grew, and you came along, and you sweet-talked them. That was your work. Hey, you're doing well. Keep it up. You're growing great. Produce fruit. Come on. And now, you've got to pull the weeds. You've got you to make sure. you got to trim it back. you got to do all the work. By the sweat of your brow, will you produce what you need to eat? And so the work... That God gives us is blessing from God. It's what keeps us busy. It's what helps us produce. It's actually an act of loving other people by doing our job well. And so God says this through Paul. He says, look, I need you to live a quiet life. I need you to be wrapped up in who Jesus Christ is. And I need you to mind your own business. And I need to, you to work well with your hands. I need you to keep going. I need you to produce what needs to be produced for you and your family. The other problem that was happening in First Thessalonica here was this, that people said, hey, I can just wait and sit and wait for the coming of God and other people will look after me. <laughs> Sound like anything we know. They're not waiting for the coming of God, but they're waiting for somebody to look after them. And Paul says, no, you don't wait for anybody to look after you. You work and you produce. It's your God-given ability to work. There's pride in work well done, and the Bible says it this way that those who work well sleep well. I know that feeling. You work hard all day, you can't wait to get the pillow, your head on the pillow at night, and sometimes you don't even wait. You just fall asleep in the chair. You're done. You worked well. It also brings meaning to life. It brings fulfillment to life when I work. And Paul looks at this group of people and he says, I want you to produce well and I want you to work hard as God has given you the ability to work, provide for you and your family. There's another place in scripture that says this, that he who does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. He's worse than a, than a sinner who's gone so far astray. You, your responsibility is to produce, to work hard for your family, to provide. So Paul says... The expression of love here is to live a quiet life, to be wrapped up in who Jesus is. To mind your own business, to keep your nose where it belongs. And to work hard. And when you work hard, you don't have time to watch everybody else. Hey, the same is true in the church, by the way. When the people of church, of the church, when Christ followers are working hard for the master, for the kingdom of God, they don't have time to complain about what somebody else isn't doing. Because they're doing the job that God asked them to do. And when people have all kinds of complaints as Christ followers, usually it's because they're doing absolutely nothing. They're just sitting around. Where do you fit in this list? Is your life quiet? Wrapped up in Christ? Do you mind your own business fairly well or are you minding everybody else's? You working hard? You You laboring? Why would he say these things? I'm going to wrap this up. Here's why he would say these things. Why in the world would he give these four things? Love others, live a quiet life, mind your own business, and work hard, labor hard with your hands. Why would he say these things to this little church, this group of people who are following Jesus? And he says, you're doing well at what you're doing. Why would he say these things? Let me read verse 12. He says this. So that you may behave, what's the word, properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. Two thoughts. Paul says, I give you these four little commands so that you would behave properly. When we used to go places as a family, there was a lot of us kids. There were six of us kids. I was the littlest. I'm still the youngest. I was reminding my brother that the other day. Just think about that for a minute. It doesn't change. Still the youngest. I remember sitting in the back of our car. This was before seatbelts were important. And I would either be on the floor under somebody's feet or up in the back window because that was my favorite place. And we would drive into my Aunt Donna and Uncle Carl's place. That was one of our regular drop-offs. And, and we were stopping. And before we got out of the car, my dad would, before he shut the car off, he would put it in park and he would say, Remember... You represent the Knowleses. I don't know what that actually meant, but I knew this, that if I was bad, I got a spanking later. So you just meant that you stayed good. You stayed on the good side. This is part of what Paul is saying here is this. He's reminding them of something. And it would be really good for us every day when we leave our house as Christ followers to say, Hey, remember, you represent Christ. This isn't about you. You represent Christ. And what Paul is saying to this little group of believers, I can see them sitting. And he's saying, look, remember, if you do these things, if you love other people and you you live with Christ in your heart and you're assured in who you are in Christ, and you've got your nose in your own business and you're working hard with your hands, then you're living in such a way that people will see Christ in you. That's what he says. How properly are you living your life? How properly have you been behaving? If we were to follow your Facebook page feed, if we were to follow the conversations that you've been part of, if we were to follow your business deals, if we were to follow those people that you work with every day, and the jokes that you tell, and the stories that you tell, and the things that you engage in, has it been properly As a representative of Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador of the Most High King. And Paul says, decide to behave properly when you leave your house in the morning. And he finishes that with this little thought at the end of it. He says this, because there are people who are looking at you who need what you have. They need the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Mossbrook Church, there are people who you live life with every day who need what you have. And the only Bible, the only Christ some of them will ever see is your life. And then he says, and don't be dependent on anybody. And I think this is Huge. Because I think so often we look at it and say, hey, that happened in my life. It's somebody else's fault. <laughs> it's not mine. Somebody else's fault. You go back to verse 9. He says, look, because you're in Christ, this, these things that I've talked about come naturally to you because Christ and the Holy Spirit was in you. You are responsible for you before God. Father, would you grant us the courage To love others well. To allow Christ to live in us. Oh, that we would be the testimony to the greatness of God to those that we live life with every day. That we would behave properly in front of those that we spend time with. Help us with that. Grant us the ability to listen to your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray.